Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Singled Out, a podcast where we address the hardships of single life while giving inspirational tools to make the most of it. This week's episode is all about... Yep, money. The way this episode came about is actually kind of funny. It was a teachable networking moment, if you will. I happened to mention to a coworker of mine that I have a podcast that addresses important topics and needs for Jewish singles. And she mentioned to me that her husband, who we're going to hear from today, is actually a financial advisor and often gives workshops to couples and young singles about managing their finances. Now, at first I was a little hesitant because money is one of those areas that are extremely personal and individual. A funny statement I heard which really resonated with me on this topic is you can easily tell what your relationship with money is like based on how you feel when you open your banking app. Do you like open it kind of squinting, holding your breath, hoping it's all there? Or are you totally comfortable and aware of how your finances work? Now, some of us might be totally fine in this department and know how our finances work. And to you, I say... Rock on. Keep doing you. But speaking for myself, and after touching base with some of my friends on this as well, it became clear that a lot of us really don't understand how to navigate money, how to use the financial systems put in place, and more than that, how to use those systems to our advantage. We don't ask detailed questions about money because just keeping up with the basics like taxes, tax returns, keeping track of and covering bills, health insurance, work benefits, it can all be really daunting. I also think a lot of us associate money with responsibility. And so whenever we do deal with finances, we try to put off that heavy feeling by avoiding the topic until we really, really have to. So after thinking about it and touching base with friends and hearing their feedback, the consensus was, yes, this is a really important area to be educated in, so let's do it. Just a side note, this is why I so appreciate input and feedback. And I hope you guys will reach out as well with ideas that you have because some of the best ideas for episodes aren't mine. They're created from great ideas people had and came to me with. So the guest for this episode is someone named Ron Yaish. Ron is a financial advisor who works at wealth management firm, and he's also the founder of the financial blog, balancedfinanciallife.com. What makes Ron so great is that he was super patient, really knowledgeable, and took a lot of time to explain and break down important financial concepts. He also educated me on things to be mindful of when it comes to managing your money. There's a lot he mentioned that I had to ask him to explain because I was like, wait, what? But I personally walked away knowing a lot more and also feeling empowered to ask follow-up questions and look into important tools and facts I didn't know about. So I hope you guys will too. He also is going to suggest a bunch of resources throughout the episode. So if you hear them, don't feel overwhelmed. If you want to follow up and check them out, I've included all of them in the show notes below. So we're going to get into it and I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you. I really appreciate your time and I'm definitely excited to do this episode. I'm also super grateful that Razel even thought to introduce us. So I think it'll be really great. Just, uh, it is important to say just FYI that any of the information explained here is is more for information purposes and is not meant to be guidance or uh, meant to be a solicitation of of any, of anything, of any kind. I'm going to have a surprise for you. I didn't even tell you about this. I have a surprise for you and for your, and for your listeners. Uh, Just remind me at the end, I have a little bit of a surprise for you. (laughs) Um, 
And I think you'll, I think they'll really appreciate it because there's a lot of value in that. Um, Thank you. Okay. So I guess we'll just get started. Okay, great. So first, if you don't mind, Ron, just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do and also how you got into this field. Because I know from when we spoke, financial advising wasn't something you started out with. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. I always had an interest in uh, personal finance, kind of um, got married, went out to try to find a financial advisor and uh, did not have a positive experience uh, time after time. So my wife and I decided to get every book uh, and read every article we could possibly get our hands on. And we self-taught ourselves personal finance. It became kind of a, a hobby. And then you decided to go into professionally, I guess. What started to happen, I was the assistant rabbi of a, of a, of, of a, of a synagogue. And um, young couples, newly married couples would come to me and say, you know, could you guide us in this area? And I was just literally guiding people probably about once a week. Um, So at that point, I I had a feeling that I was going to go into this professionally. So maybe give us a little background to what it is that a financial advisor usually does. A financial advisor, depending on what you're looking to accomplish, could do um, any number of things that has to do with personal finance. So that would be guidance regarding tax, insurance, investments, estate planning, you know, I, I introduce things um, at the appropriate uh, time, the appropriate year, the age, you know, at this point, you should have a health proxy. At this point, you know, you just had a child, you may want to think about this. You uh, just got a major promotion and you're, you know, maybe you want to put away a little more. Right. Maybe this is the right, how are you going to put it away? Mm-hmm. You want to put it away only in your 401k, you won't be able to touch the money when you want to buy a house. So what other investments do you want to look at? You know, is it the right time to buy a house? Right. Um, so things like that. Should I lease? Should I buy? Should I rent? Should I? To make sure that you're having a conversation yeah. together. Right. Very important. So as an advisor, when somebody comes to you, right, so you're either getting somebody who wants to work with somebody on a regular basis and says, look, this is my situation. Uh, are we a good fit? And um, can we work together? Um, and then you have, you know, many opportunities where individuals may just want one single um, matter yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of, yeah, you know, you know, looked into and, and, and um, not uncommon for, for families to do that um, in the advanced, you know, kind of pre-college, you know, we do some college planning and do three or four sessions and do a deep dive, um, you know, student loans, you know. Uh, individuals that want to, you know, get out of debt may go through certain programs. So there are different, different um, opportunities where you don't have to necessarily work with somebody long term. Long term, right? A specific. No, it's interesting, uh, right? I guess I never plan. thought about that, but I guess depending on your financial standing or what is you're trying to to get guidance on, sometimes it might be, let's say, a project for a few years. It might just be one specific event that you kind of want help navigating. My big concern as a financial advisor, which is what you asked me, what I do, mm-hmm. I help people manage their emotions more than anything else. Wow. I guess how that's true. I guess a lot of emotions are tied to money. Yeah. But how do you, how do you make a decision that is not tied to emotions? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually, oh my gosh, the market's going down. I want to sell everything. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. <laughs> the market's going up. The market's going up. I got to buy everything while my friends are buying. No. Would you say that everybody needs a financial advisor? Definitely not. The key is to be organized um, and not every, it, it's really personality based and temperament based. You know, you could be somebody who's not into numbers like my wife. Right. 
or, and that's her saying that. I'm not saying that. I always tell her not to say that because you don't want to get fixed on the fact that you're not a numbers person. Um, so, or you could be somebody who's really disorganized, but there's so many tools out there online that you can take advantage of. Right. You have to look at your situation, right? So you, if you're going through some change in your life or you're going through, you know, if somebody's about to sign, you know, um, a, uh, a contract to work at a company. So typically that comes up uh, in a very dramatic way um, with doctors, right? So doctors will be a resident and all of a sudden they're, you know, working at full capacity and they're making a lot of money, but yet they have a lot of debt. Right. So not to spend the time to kind of plan would be a mistake. But on the other hand, there's so many great resources online today. And there's always, you know, Dr. Google online hmm. uh, that you can take advantage of. Right. Um, yes, obviously, for those individuals that are going to pre-retirement at age 50, you got to meet with somebody. Right. Because that, that can really mess you up. Uh, I mean, I, I'll tell you a nightmare story. I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you in our pre-meeting. I, when we talked about 401ks, yeah, I had I an individual uh, who was in his 50s. Uh, really, a classic nightmare story, and it used to happen more and more. There's a reason why it doesn't happen as much now, but it used to happen more and more. The person said, I'm, you know, I'm not really worried because I've been putting money away for you know, 25 years. I'm like, okay, but let's look at the details, meaning what are we looking at? So he sent me his statement, and I'm looking at the statement. And I, by the way, on that point, I always tell individuals, especially when I'm not really working with somebody, they're asked to send a statement, always blot out your, your account number. Oh, okay. Um, and your date of birth and your social, but anything usually they're just account numbers. Money, right. Yeah, anything personal, uh, because I don't need that. And it's, it's your personal information, and you don't want that just floating in. So um, I, I took that and I, I said, I, I think this may be just like this year's statement. Like, what am I missing? And he said, no, no, no. I've been putting money away for 25 years. I'm investing my 401k and I'm, I know I'm not going to have a problem with retirement. I, I couldn't believe it. He, was, he, had, he did participate in his 401k, but he put in the maximum every year. The Can you just explain earned. that? What does that mean to put in the maximum? Okay. So your employer is going to let you know uh, based on how much you make and what the legal amount is every year, how much you could put in. So it could be 19000 It could be $20,000. Mm-hmm. So if you're making $80,000 a year, you could put in, um, in total, you don't do it in one shot, you, you could put in $20,000 into your 401k. Uh, advantage to you is um, when you're going to pay taxes that year, even though you, you, your employer paid you $80,000, you're only going to be paying on 60000 because okay. that 20000 is now in the 401k. It's considered tax sheltered. So it's tax deferred. Interesting. Uh, it's not tax exempt. It's tax deferred. So for that year, you didn't pay taxes. And the beauty is that, let's say one year out, um, that money's going to earn something. Whatever that money's earning, there's no taxes on that. And then the following year, it's going to keep snowballing. And you're so not- how is it deferred if you're never really paying taxes on it then? Until you're taking the money out. But the beauty is that you were able to make money on the earning every single year. So that's really the benefit of a 401k. Uh, what this individual did is he put money in, but never chose what investments it was going to go into. So if he put in, you know, $250,000 over his lifetime, he was sitting with $250,000 at, at age 50. 
where he should have had uh, over a million dollars. Wow. Yeah. Well, honestly, when we were talking about this, I didn't even know. I thought you have a 401k. So then, right, you have like a, an agreement with, with your place of work. And then mm -hmm. you just basically put in your money with them. I didn't know you had to actually select a place to invest that money. I thought your employer just kind of does that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So and no one had told him or like checked in. I guess not. I, he was looking and he was making sure that the money was being taken out every month. And that was mm -hmm. it. Meaning, uh, you know, he, you know, never sat down to say, okay, what is this going to go into? So right. um, for somebody starting out, right, when you're looking to, when you're looking at your first job or your second job, because now you're, you know, you're moving up and you're, it may be a good idea to sit down with an advisor. I'm speaking for myself. I'm sure some of, you know, some people listening might feel similarly, but I do think when it comes to money, there's hesitation and we do get uncomfortable, A, because I think you know, whether or not we're, what our relationship with money is like, you know, personally. So whether or not, you know, we're being careful, but I also think it does feel like there's so much to know or to navigate or paperwork. And it can sometimes feel like, I don't know all these terms. I don't get how this works. So I, that's when I understand that you're saying there's really benefit to seeking out that help with HR or with a financial advisor to guide you. Yeah. Look, it, it, it's, it's humbling to to go and tell somebody I don't know how to do something. Could you help me? Yeah, it's hard. Um, so the approach that I recommend is try to just get nuggets. I don't know what people do, you know, TMI, mm -hmm. but I don't know what people do for bathroom reading. So whether it's a newspaper, whether it's a blog, whether it's a podcast, whether you don't need to know everything in one day. But if right. you for yourself said, you know what? Yeah, you know what? I, I'm gonna try to get a nugget a month. One nugget, one idea, one point, one factoid. You started saying this, maybe you can just flush out. Are there specific sure. things that you should be looking for when you're seeking out a financial advisor to kind of know that they are not coming at it with a conflict of interest or how to know it's the best fit for you? So I would say, number one, you have to trust your gut. Okay. If something feels off about the conversation, it's not you, it's them. You need to want to feel comfortable with an advisor that you're going to be able to call them tomorrow not at home, mm -hmm. but you're going to call them tomorrow with a question uh, or the next day uh, and not feel intimidated. If you feel too intimidated to reach out or uncomfortable or feel inadequate, you're dealing with the wrong person. You want to work with somebody who has um, a CPA, a CFP, or an MBA. And that'll be posted on their bio wherever I'm reading it. It would be posted on their bio. You want somebody who, who didn't take a two-month course. Mm to be able to get certified to, now I'm not knocking these individuals. Right. I have people who work for me who have just gone through that and that's fine. But in the ideal, you want to work with somebody who has taken some rigorous coursework. Two, you want to find out how do you get compensated? Do you get paid by the company? What is my out of pocket? Um, what can I expect from you? What's the relationship going to be like? What are you going to expect from me? You want to know when are you going to show up and when do you expect me to show up? Right. Say it out right. And it should be in writing. And you want to like them. You want to okay. work with somebody you like. I mean, you mentioned this when we spoke that one of the first people that you and your wife, Razel, uh, consulted, you found that it was not a good fit. Maybe you can speak a little bit. Yeah. So here we were, we, we, we're new, newlyweds. Uh, we have our wedding money and our mm -hmm. own personal money that we brought into the marriage. So we went and we called around and we wanted to know who who we, sh we should meet with. And we met with a group. And this was like the group that everybody was using. 
all of our friends' parents were using this specific group. And we went, I was so excited, you know, because I, I had my in. Like, hmm. like I, I felt like they were doing me a favor. The guy did not take, did not give me the time of day. It was more like, okay, how old are you? Okay, how much money? Okay, this is what we're going to do. Boom, 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 boom. Wow. It's like, dude, <laughs> I don't know much, but that just wasn't okay. Yeah. Uh, and it, it felt sketchy. It just didn't feel right. And what, what I f- have found is people take that feeling of being intimidated and they just feel, well, you know, I, maybe it's me. Maybe I, right, I don't get assume that person's the expert. Yeah. I don't know yeah. this, so I'll just trust them. Right. Okay, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, so still on this topic, obviously, but shifting gears a little bit is something that you did bring up when we were speaking was, mm-hmm. um, and this will probably speak to most of our, our listeners because most of them are, are women, mm-hmm. but you mentioned that you find when it comes to money that women just aren't, you know, quote unquote, at the table with these discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you can speak a little bit more to that. Okay. So I'm not making any assumptions. I'm just going to kind of share some of my experience. Sure. Before you get married, if your family has any sort of business where you foresee yourself, you know, some family members will automatically put you as a partner in the business. Big or small, you need to have a prenup. I've seen too many cases where individuals um, didn't even realize that they had something uh, because their parents weren't going to, you know, they weren't going to get it till much later in life. Mm-hmm. And things don't work out the right way. And all of a sudden, that individual walks away with half the amount. Can you just explain um, what a prenup is, what that entails? Sure. So it entails signing a legal document that basically mm-hmm. that both parties have to sign uh, that basically says this specific item is going to be kept separate from our, from our joint money. Sometimes things get a little sticky or you don't trust me. Mm-hmm. You don't believe in me, you know, and the mother-in-law gets involved, and the father-in-law, this is just not right, and the rabbi gets involved, this is not right. People take it personally. And, and I will tell people, blame it on me. Blame it on the financial advisor. Right. Put it on the consultant who's saying, oh, what, it's not it's the financial advisor. <laughs> what do you want right. from me? And uh, you want to do right by your spouse. So you want to yeah. include them in everything, and you want everything to be okay. But people get really weird when it comes to money it brings out, sometimes it brings out the worst in people. You've seen, you've seen examples of, of times when it's backfired. I've seen, I, I've seen some dramatic nightmare stories. Wow. Um, so that's one thing. So that's a really easy one. And that's important to, to take care of. It's important to um, be at the table, whether you're a child uh, of, a, of a household, if you're an adult, you should be part of the financial conversation in the household at least once a year. Um, you should know Maybe your parents. What? Like- your parents, you should know their situation. Basic mindfulness, understanding where things are, where the will is, the fact that there is a will, that there's something called a health proxy. Well, if something happens, where are the accounts? Right. Why is the, why is the house, why is the beneficiary only my brothers? And the, yeah, they're going to take care of me because everybody assumes that, the, the young lady's going to be taken care of by her husband. Right. Um, so people sometimes don't do that. They don't put their, it's not, it's not everybody, but that does right. happen. You want to be part of that conversation. Okay. And then when, you know, and then when you get married, you want to be part of the conversation. You want to know, even if you're not a money person, 
my recommendation is when at least at the very least, when you're doing taxes, you want to be there. If you have to take off an hour or two from work, you want to be there in the office with the accountant. You want to hear the accounts. You want to know what's going on. You don't have to watch it, but you want to see what's going on with the, with the, with the uh, checking account. I do recommend that individuals out there get um, identity theft, you know, identity protection. So whether that's something like LifeLock um, or some sort of service that will keep an eye on your accounts and your social security uh, number. Is there a certain time you'd recommend someone start getting it? Anytime. That? Anytime. Okay. People will scam and, and use, you know, babies' social security numbers because wow. they know people are not going to open up accounts and they won't even be aware. And all of a sudden, what do you mean I have, you know, $150,000 in debt? The, you know, you're talking about a three-year-old. So uh, how is, I mean, I know it's different, but I'm saying, I guess I rely on like my bank's ability to kind of you know, I usually, I've had this happen a few times, but the second they see, you know, weird activity happening, they'll reach out to me and they'll stop the charges, et cetera. LifeLock or identity theft is different in terms of what? They will notify you if any account is opened up in your name. Ah, okay. A bank will only act, right, tell you if bank is only dealing dirty. with their specific bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, credit cards will protect you. But how do you know right now that somebody hasn't opened up a credit card in your name? you know, I'm kind of sensitive to it, A, because I've seen it, and right. B, it's happened to me. I would definitely recommend um, identity theft or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a little expensive. It's a little pricey. Some of some employers offer it. Some corporations will offer that as part of their benefit package. But right. um, so getting back to that, um, you want to know what's going, you would just want to monitor the, you know, checking account. You know, it's anything like weird. Like, what is this charge? Like, what, what's, what's on this credit card? Like, you don't want to you don't want to go crazy but once a month take a look if anything looks weird you want to be made aware of that and then and then there are those nightmare stories where um you know thank god not too many of them but that uh money was uh being used for other purposes right. outside the household gambling right. etc right and so, i guess right the more you're involved i guess the more you can kind of pick up on that you don't i'm not expecting you to know that you have $17,323 but you should know you have 10,000. Right, like a ballpark. Or do you have right? 70,000? Meaning if you, if you can't tell me a range of within 25,000 of where you're at right now in your bank, something's off. And, and you, should, you should know where the accounts are, what the um, logins for those accounts are, even if you're not the person managing it. Right. I can't tell you how many individuals that are uh, widows uh, that will turn to me and say, "How do? Where do I start? Where do well, I, I? I? I don't know any. I don't even they know just if I never could do this. dealt with it. So they just didn't know something which is unique in being single with finances is that obviously you have more flexibility in certain ways because you know whether certain pieces of your life haven't filled in yet or whether you are, you know, happy to just kind of have that independence to spend your money where you want to because you don't have the same type of expenses as people do with a family." So we're maybe a little bit more willing to spend and splurge in different areas. Mm-hmm. So I know that you've mentioned before that obviously you can't just focus on the future. You do have to live and enjoy mm-hmm. money now. I guess I'm curious if you can give a piece of advice to people in their singlehood years, which you think um, is good just to be mindful of. Yeah. Okay. I'll start the example with something that isn't so typical. Okay. Um, I had a conversation with a, uh, a family member uh, of an NFL player. 
we came up with a plan for him because his family didn't want him to be a statistic. Most NFL players, not that we're talking to any NFL players on this podcast, <laughs> uh, but not? most, most uh, professional athletes lose all of their wealth within five years. They um, wow. consider going bankrupt. Just because, you know, the money's there, you don't have good financial habits. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean you're a bad person. So we came up with a very basic model. I mean, just to give you the mindfulness, right? So we set aside, um, we set aside 25% for taxes. We set aside 25% for uh, investments. We set up 25% for him to blow any way he wants. Okay. Um, and then 25 for his, for his basic living, you know, just mm -hmm. so, so what do you mean? I don't want him to, to just spend on, you need to give him the ability to go to, in this case, to go to a bar and take his cousins out and just say, you mean they were pushing me. back that you were giving too much. They didn't want yeah, any leeway. They were looking at the number, meaning what's the number 25%. When, when right. you're with a professional sports player, you're it's looking at the, you're looking at some large numbers. I said, no, you know, if he's going to do this, he will have plenty. So at the end, they wound up changing it to a little less than just, you know, they, they made it 20% uh, so to work with a family like that. Yeah. So I don't promote the idea that you should, that you should watch every dollar because mm -hmm. I think it's not practical. I think people will go nuts. I think it's just yeah. not so healthy. There's a really neat um, app out there called mint.com. So really good app, uh, but you have to input every little zuz of every little move that you make. And it's a really cool system, but not always so practical. It can be a little anxiety provoking also to like be yeah, so it's, exact it's really in not that comfortable. Way. So it's important to spend your money, especially if you don't have a household that you're looking after. Right. Um, whatever that percentage is, right? So you have to figure out there's a need and then a want. Okay. So I need to live. I need to, you know, buy food. I need a, I need to drive or I may need not to drive. Maybe I could just take whatever it is. I'm local to work. Am I opting out of living with two roommates? Am I being silly? You know, do I really need to be spending an extra thousand dollars a month? Then there is the, well, I want to go on three extra cruises and get my, the new bag that comes out every three months or whatever it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. There's a time and a place for it. If somebody could figure out a way to be, I'm going to use the word frugal, for 10 years, they will make a dramatic difference in their life in general. Frugal meaning what though? Like how frugal? So this is very personal. So right. I will, I, I, I'll, I'll actually introduce what I was going to share with your folks, okay? And then, this is the surprise? This is, this is the surprise, ah. okay? Uh, and this will, <laughs> this will play into this very nicely, actually. Okay. So there is a blog that I... Um, that I uh, work on as more of a hobby. Uh, it's called Balanced Financial Life. Okay. So if your folks go to Balanced Financial Life forward slash one, they could sign up for a free one page financial plan. It's a course, it's a very short course. It's not schlepped out at all. It's not, and they can build their own one page financial plan. And essentially what I do with a financial plan, just to give you kind of the, the big picture here is keep it very simple. Four things. What monies are coming in on a monthly basis? What monies are going out on a monthly basis? What are my savings and investments? And what's my debt? 
debt isn't necessarily credit card debt because if you're paying that off every month, that, that don't count that. I'm right. talking about student loan debt, mortgage debt, you know, stuff like that. If you can figure those things out, that will make a world of a difference because within that, you should be able to say, I want to be able to go on that cruise. I want to go out with my friends more. I want to have a certain lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But what, just by looking at those numbers, and you don't have to get too detailed, but if you could even guesstimate, I believe in guesstimating a lot, um, and then you're looking at that piece of paper, one page, you will see where you have a challenge. Because if, if, if you're only making, I'm going to make up a number, if you're only earning $50,000 and you're spending you know, $25,000 on a car, uh, you have a problem here. Right. Whereas when you look at, you see you have nothing in savings. You have no, you have no investments. You have no savings. You have nothing there. That, that is a starting point. Um, and that creates some mindfulness. What do you need to do this? Very simple. Take two months of credit card statements. Take two months of, of bank statements. That's it. And that'll give you enough of an idea to know how to fill it in. You're never going to get everything perfect. But just to, it's a starting point. Thank you. I'll definitely include that link. That's really awesome. Are there any other, I guess, online apps or tools you recommend for people to, to dabble in or kind of expose themselves to to be more involved with this? I would highly recommend going to XY Planning. Uh, as a network, because people, folks will find fee-only advisors. So many advisors out there are are helping individuals on very specific topics. XY planning um, is through through Balance Life, or that's a separate. No, XY planning is is it is its own entity. Oh, thank yeah, you. Okay. they removed a lot of the conflict of interest. So, which is what I like, and right. a lot of the advisors there have these one-offs. Like you can meet with them and just do a one-off session as to kind of just get a, an adjustment. You know, you're, you go to your chiropractor to get your adjustment right. as opposed to having to feel the stress of working with somebody forever. Uh, there are a lot of advisors on that, on that net, within that network that will give you, um, you know, a session. They'll, they'll charge you, of course, but they'll right. give you a session. Um, so there's a, an amazing free resource called Wave App. Costs absolutely nothing. Uh, it could connect to your bank account. Uh, this is not a commercial, I don't get paid by them, but, um, it's really wonderful, especially for somebody who's starting, um, a business. This is their, their purpose is more for those individuals with side hustles. Um, I mean, to the point where you, you know, you walked into some place and this charge now is a business charge. So you take a picture of it and it, with that app and it uploads directly into that account. Right. Before I go into that, I did want to just mention one sure. other general tool, a Roth IRA. If you recall before, when we talked about the, um, the 401k, we talked about somebody who put in $20,000. You don't have to put that amount, but we right. just, uh, when you take the money out, you then have to start paying the government back. A Roth IRA, although you don't put as much in, you put that in and you'll never pay taxes on that ever again. How? So it is a very specific tool that the government gives you. Because you're putting money in post-tax, the government allows you to put this money in, but at that point, as it grows, you'll never have to pay taxes on it ever again, ever. Wait, po- sorry, just post-tax meaning what? Meaning you've already taken it out of your 401k? Right, meaning it's money out of your bank account as opposed to from your, directly from your employer before you pay taxes on it. Why is that more beneficial? Meaning what's the difference of that money? For the example that we had before, somebody made $80,000, they put $20,000 into the 401k, mm-hmm. 
Okay. So now they are left with $60,000 of taxable money that they have that year. Right. They take 6,000 and they put that into a Roth IRA. Okay. Okay. That Roth IRA, um, what you're fighting later on is how do I pay the least amount of taxes in the future? Right. So this is money that I have in the account anyway. It's 60,000. I, I, you know, I, I've earned it. The government allows you to a very specific amount. And the criteria is you have to, as a joint couple, be making less than $205,000 jointly. Um, so very soon, many people can't, can't participate because they, they make too much money for it because it, it really is a, uh, an opportune investment. Uh, it only applies though, meaning someone who's single, can they invest in a yeah. Roth IRA? Yeah. You, what is the amount? 120,000, 130,000. I have to look at the exact amount because once you make, once you earn more than that amount, the government says, ah, you're somebody who is not Rip eligible the for the Roth right. IRA. So you want to get in, you want to get in on that early. So why yeah. would the government offer that though? What's the benefit for them? The benefit is for you to save. They want you to save and they, they're, they're going after a specific, you know, earning bracket. That's they nice. Want and that they're to protecting be, those people who maybe wouldn't have enough to put away correct, without correct. being taxed. So meaning I could literally just do this now. Yeah. Boom. And actually you have a, a really great opportunity. You have until the, till April 15th to participate in the previous year's um, limit. So you could put in two. I have people who put in, um, they'll put in money right now and then January 2nd, boom, they'll put in uh, another one. Yeah. Uh, That's so cool. Well, I would yeah. never have known about that. Yeah. I definitely want to, when we hang no, up, I'm going to do some Googling. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for folks who may go this route, mm-hmm. um, you want to check out something like Betterment. What they do is they take the stress off of having to choose the investments because that's, I find people get stressed out. Right. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up my Roth. I'm going to put it in, but now I'm looking at a menu of literally 15,000 investment options. What in the world am I going to Wait, do? it's similar to 401k in that once it's in there, I still have to choose where to invest. Okay, I did not, I did not follow yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're just structures. These are just right. account types. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when you deal with a betterment or a wealth front, they're putting they uh, betterment will basically say, okay, um, answer the following seven questions. Boom, boom, boom. This is your risk profile. These are the ETFs that we want to recommend. This is the portfolio we recommend to you. And it's super economical and just click, click, click. You should, you should open one up today. And it, it, it takes all the, all of the second guessing and the stress out of having to choose something. So those are the types of resources that you, that are so wonderful to have between apps and online. Is there anything else? I know you mentioned like the Roth IRA is, is a big one. Is there anything else that you feel like people should just be aware about that makes a huge difference that we just don't know enough about or should kind of know how it works and that could really benefit us tremendously? Yeah. So I would say um, probably the number one um, point is to know about your benefits at work. Okay. Um, you should know, do you have a, what to, do you have insurance options that you can choose? Is there uh, life insurance there? People don't even realize that they have $50,000 of life insurance. That's just part of their workplace. I've gone through individuals uh, benefit packages where they have gym memberships. Then you want to start early. Uh, the point is you really want to start early not to miss the opportunity because of something we had referenced before, something called compounding interest, where if, if somebody just, um, you know, instead of getting one of your lattes uh, a day, 
if you put that money aside, um, you know, which that would amount to X per year. And then if you had that invested um, in a very basic way, boom, you'd have, you know, after 20 years, you'd have a hundred thousand dollars. So time, you know, starting early and asking questions, ask questions, ask your friends, ask crowdsource. What I wouldn't do is don't ask online. (laughs) Don't ask to the public forum, because if you ask at, you know, whatever public forum you're, you're on, if you ask in a public forum, you're going to get advisors starting to call you. Right. And you're going to be hounded. For your, however, what I would say is, um, the, you know, get yourselves term life insurance. I, you know, Can you explain I, what term? There's, I know there's different types of life yeah, insurance. So there are different types of, 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 of life insurance. There is, um, so term life insurance is based on time. That's why it's really economical. The um, insurance companies will say, um, based on your age, based on uh, your health, you know, profile, um, you want, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars of life insurance. It's going to cost you twelve dollars a month, mm-hmm. um, and that goes up every year. Do you necessarily need it right now? If you're not married, maybe not. If you think you may be getting married, it may be a good idea to get. Because later on, it's going to become more expensive. We all, everybody gets older and inevitably people have certain types of conditions that come up, um, which makes things more expensive. You know, it's not, I'm not making a recommendation, but it's not uncommon for somebody at age 28, um, 28, looking at 30 to get a, a quarter of a million dollars just to have for 20 years. And you always have to ask, what's the purpose? Wait, what do you mean a quarter million dollars? A quarter million dollars of term life insurance that will cost uh, whatever it's going to, it's going to be very economical. Um, so you're paying like a monthly rate. You're paying a monthly rate. I, I'm, the example that I'm using that, that I, I helped somebody recently was, I think it was like $12 a month for this specific okay. person. For less than $150, they were able to have coverage for um, $250,000 for 20 years. So what mm-hmm. that means is if something happens to them and they died two years later, um, their, their beneficiaries would get $250,000. Oh, wow. Uh, having said that, okay, I did want to just mention, A, I am licensed uh, as an insurance agent. Uh, and I say that just because I, 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 can, I can make the following statement as well, that 97% of term life insurance isn't paid out, which means it's not that really most people used. finish paying the 20 years and don't benefit from getting that insurance. So it's just a protective measure, pretty much. It's a protective measure. Now, the reason why I say that is because you have a, the other life insurance called Whole Life that's very expensive, and they use that 97% number, and they come to you, Zahava, and they'll say, Zahava, come on, Zahava, you're a smart person. Why would you want to pay $150 a year for the next 20 years? That's going to amount to $3,000 that you're literally throwing away. Because we know 97% of the time the insurance company is not going to pay you. So I have an idea. Get your, take, that, take that 150 and get yourself whole life insurance. Get yourself very expensive insurance. I'm not a fan. But what's any different about that insurance though? Meaning that is insurance, whole life insurance paid out more than? No, so whole life insurance A is more expensive because it is guaranteed for life. It doesn't expire in 20 years. Right. So... Um, so meaning everyone will, will receive the so benefits of it. So for that $250,000, instead of 
$12 a month, you would need to pay $75 a month. So basically almost $1,000. So it's a pretty big difference. Mm -hmm. Um, And probably more. For $250,000, it's probably going to be more than that. Actually, you know, it depends on the age. But a typical um, single individual should not get talked into, in my opinion, my humble opinion, um, should not get talked into getting whole life insurance. You're looking for term insurance, go for the most economical option. You don't need more than that at this point. Okay. Thank you. I guess if you can leave our listeners with a personal finance message or something to think about, what would you suggest? Start early. Start early and don't be bashful to ask questions. Build build your financial literacy. Just build that. You may learn about some interesting rule or, you know, some benefit that you didn't even know existed. Right. Um, And it can't happen overnight. So you're just going to get one nugget. Right. No, I appreciate you telling me that because even when we spoke the last few times, I remember feeling like, wait, but I don't understand everything. And you said like, it's not, you need a bunch of sessions to kind of process and it's okay. You know, you're not going to get everything. Okay. Last question. And this is totally off topic, but it is a tradition on our podcast to end with a funny dating story. If you can share one with us. Oh gosh. <laughs> Funny it's probably story. been a while, but <laughs> yeah. You've had so, to think about it. Um, okay, so I will share a, a very funny story. Um, we didn't realize that we were going to put ourselves in this type of position, but it, it, it kind of happened. Um, I was a creative dater. Uh, I liked having a lot of fun. If I was going to go out, I wanted it be. It would be something that I wanted to do as yeah, well. No, I hear that. Yeah, you know. So. Um, you know, I got very creative. There used to be a, a a show, a sitcom called Night Court. Your parents probably know about it. Okay. <laughs> Never heard so, of it, but I will look it up after. So, uh, so Night Court. So what's Night Court? You, you know, because people have to be arraigned legally all night, you, uh, you know, within a certain amount of time, um, places like New York City have court all night because they don't have enough um, they have way too many people to process, so they're up at night. So I said, you know, wow. let's go watch court cases. Oh my god, that was the date idea. <laughs> so, That's hysterical. <laughs> so we went. We we went to dinner first because we didn't want to be hungry, and then we showed okay. up. And as we're walking in, we're like, okay, a we may have a little challenge here because anyone can just go in and watch. Yeah, yeah, open, open, open. Okay. okay. But as we walked in, we realized maybe we're. Maybe it's going to look like we're there for somebody. Right. So Razel reached into her bag and she took out like a student ID and she took out another ID from her hospital that she was working in and we wore them and we had pads. So we were looking as if we were like reporters. Like taking notes. Oh so my we gosh. Came in and so we walk into court and the judge was hysterical. I mean, she, you didn't want to mess with her. I mean, it was, she was, she was really fun to watch. <laughs> and then something happened. Um, Al Sharpton walks in. Oh my he God. He was being arraigned. That was the day that David Dinkins, Mayor David Dinkins and Al Sharpton protested, whatever, I don't know, whatever it was. I mean, Al Sharp, uh, David Dinkins just passed away, but um, they had protested something and they got arrested as a formality, but um, Al Sharpton actually had to be arraigned. So we were there for his arraignment and he looks over at us. What are the, what are you doing here? You <laughs> so, felt quite awkward. Oh my god! And uh, yeah, so that was our funny dating story. I don't know. That's that... a pretty good one. That's <laughs> yeah. really really funny. First of all, 
Definitely never heard of that as a date idea. (laughs) So props to you. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you so, so, so much for your time. People want to follow up or get in touch with you. Is there a way they can reach you? Yeah, they could. uh, The best thing to do is they can, um, if they go to Downs Financial Life, they can um, just sign up for the newsletter. I'll They'll, they'll get an email from me. They could always ask. There's a section there called Ask Ron. Okay. Uh, what I promote is um, ask your questions. And um, uh, we, we try to do our best to get back to everybody. You're more than welcome to, to try to reach out. If I could be helpful, I want to be a resource. No, thank you. You've definitely, definitely been that. And I really appreciate your time and help. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Okay, great. We'll be in touch. Thank night. you, Ron. You too. Okay, so obviously a really informative episode, which was jam-packed with tons of information. Again, I'll just post all the necessary resources and links that Ron recommended in the episode that you can check out, dabble in, and just educate yourself more on if you want to follow up on any of the things that he said. He also really generously offered to do follow-up episodes if you guys have more specific topics you want to know more about. So for this episode, he wanted to keep it kind of basic just to introduce the concept of being mindful about financial literacy and advising. But if you have more specific questions in regards to stocks, could be credit, could be student debt, etc., he said he'd be more than happy to do follow-up episodes on specific topics as well. So if you want to know more about that or have topics you want to suggest or just topics for future episodes in general, I would love to hear from you. So please feel free to reach out. You can reach me via email at singledout613 at gmail.com. That's S-I-N-G-L-E-D-O-U-T 613 at gmail.com.